<laughs> and uh, but it was great. Like reading her interview, she was like, "I use crystal deodorant," and she's like, "It doesn't really work, but psychologically, if you believe it works, that's it'll not, work." That's not how body. Odor and so works. I was just like, psychologically, no, that's if not. I believe it works. That's not how body. But odor I got works. like, I got a stick of Mitchum, men's Mitchum. That's great, but and it's. I just want to. I want to state for the record that deodorant is different than antiperspirant. Literally, I was rubbing a, a, a rock, a damp rock in my underarm. I don't think the difference between deodorant and antiperspirant applies in this situation. Fair. Super fair. Super fair. <laughs> well, and it's also like they like sell it as like this is a really economical choice because it's like five bucks mm-hmm. for the rock, but mm-hmm. it's supposed to last you two years. It's a it's a rock. In like a tube, like you have to like twist it up. Like a tube rock? No, like a deodorant, like a stick of deodorant, but it's hard. Like a rock. Like a rock. That's in and a it's tube. clear. It's called crystal. A rock that's in a tube. Well, How much was mind? this rock that was in a tube? Can I I told you it was like five bucks, but do you okay. know what's wild? They have men's and women's rocks in a <laughs> tube. But the only difference, and they tell you this on the website, mm-hmm. is one comes in blue packaging and one comes in pink packaging. That's disgusting. People are scared about what deodorant's going to do to their bodies. Yeah, the aluminum in it isn't great. It's not good for you. And your lymphatic system's so close, that's why people are so worried about it. Yeah. Cancer. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. But, um, but like, the rock, rock wasn't working for me. <laughs> not even psychologically? I mean, like, there was one time where I was like... I think I was close, but then someone got up from sitting next to me on the train, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, no. It kind of reminds me of this conversation that I had with this guy who used to work at this place called Shakespeare's, where I also worked, and he told me that much like people who don't shampoo their hair, your like hair returns to a pH balance, Yeah, that like not using deodorant would do the same thing, and he hadn't used deodorant in seven years, and I was like, that's cool, Skylar, except you yeah, you have gotten used to yourself <laughs> yeah, after like seven that's, years. That's the psychological part. Like, he couldn't smell himself anymore. Yeah. But all of us could. Yeah, I think that's what happened with me. Mm. The sounds of the chairs that you hear creaking are furniture that my uh, grandmother bought when she first came from Germany. It has made it from... Your grandmother came here from Germany in 1933. In 1933. Yeah, she was sold into marriage because her mother decided that it wouldn't be great if her daughter was a Nazi. Uh-huh. So she was sold to a German uh, metal smith called otto dingledine in st louis can i tell you that this all sounds like a cover story for the fact that otto dingledine was a nazi otto dingledine so people say this right okay so like the japanese internment happened but lesser known internment italian and german american otto dingledine was just a silversmithing god in st louis right he lived in chesapeake row he made chalices for churches Mm -hmm. and like beautiful silversmith stuff loved america had an american flag and whatever 1941 one, right? 1941 happens. He's been married to this woman, Margot, my grandmother, uh, for many years at this point. They have two sons. And the feds show up and they're like, Otto, you're coming with us. And then she doesn't see Otto Dingledine for two and a half years and doesn't know whether or not he's alive or dead. So she takes up with a man called Uncle Frankie and has sex in their amazing palatial palace in Ladue, which is a very fancy suburb of St. Louis. And then he comes back after being illegally interned for two and a half years. Otto. Otto. And he's like, Dingledine. And he's like, well, who the fuck is Uncle Frankie and why is he in my house? And Margot was like, you were gone. I didn't know whether or not you were alive or dead. Seemed like you might have been dead. Frankie's very rich. Auto, yeah. Also a playboy. <laughs> He's got a big, big old boner. D. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> so sure. then they spend two terrible years like fighting it out during the war. Otto makes a deal with the feds that he's going to make bombs uh, for the allies, which causes him a very intense crisis because he's bombing his family. Um, and then he becomes super religious. And my grandmother was kind of not into that, as this story may illustrate. And they got divorced in 1946. And Otto was very angry. And Uncle Frank time. became daddy frank no frank left the picture and then she married my opa george who was a penniless greek yeah okay (laughs) who loved trains (laughs) and owned a restaurant does it kind of suck that you like know that you could have had like the playboy daddy frank lineage or you could have had the auto silversmith bomb maker lineage but instead you got the penniless george greek he played tennis and you know like trains like trains but like and he, and he, like, you know, he loved food. He's also, like, essentially what I imagine. But he's, you know, he doesn't have a story like Otto and Frank. I can tell you George's story. That's okay. Let's we, get into the we, podcast. Are you ready to get this going? Yeah. All right. <sighs> Welcome to Womance. I'm Isabel. And I'm Morgan. And this is Womance, a podcast about romance novels. Bodice busters. Bodice rippers. Bodice, I didn't say you could touch thatters. Pirates. Booty. Gold. Caribbean. Rape. Frenchness. Definite. Frenching. Francophoning. Mm. Islands. Heat. Sometimes when the author francophones it in. (laughs) But most importantly, a podcast about romance novels. (laughs) And this week, we are talking about A Pirate's Love by the Crystal Gale of romance novelists. Joanna Lindsay. Have you seen Joanna Lindsay's hair? I haven't. No. Is it anything like the women on her covers? It is. Oh, yeah. Thank Christ. If yeah. I couldn't take it. I hope it was something disappointing. If she if she rides bikes, she'll have to like wear her hair up because I'm pretty sure her hair would get caught in the bike chain. Or if she just let it flow, exactly, like, waiting for her pirate king to. It would get find caught. Her. Yeah, it would get caught in the bike chain. You think she? While she was <laughs> waiting for the pirate king. It on her seems bike. to me that she might not bike. Now, after we get into the episode, it will surprise no one to find out that I picked this book, which means you, you have to give the summary this week. <sighs> well, which I think is a pretty easy gig. Just hit the summary. All right. Well, we meet Bettina Verlaine living... Which is why I picked this book, the name Bettina Verlaine. Bettina Verlaine is in France in 1667, and her dad's like, hey, I sent you to a monastery for so many years because because you had opinions, um, and now I found a husband for you. Guess what? He lives in the island of St. Martin's. He's great. You met him a year ago when you were 15, um, so take that in. I thought she had never met him because she didn't know if he was handsome or old or young. She didn't or... remember meeting him, but he was at the ball that oh. her father threw. Oh, because he was just like one he in wasn't, a million. Yeah, he wasn't going to marry her and sight one unseen. one in a million in like the bad way. Yeah, totally. So she's marrying him sight unseen, but he's not marrying her sight unseen, and then and dad's really angry and she's all sad and whatever that she has to leave France. And then mom and daughter have a heart to heart. Mother's name is Giselle. And she's like, hey, babe, I know your dad's super mean to you, but um, FYI, he's not your dad. <laughs> uh, I had this affair with this guy named Ryan and then he never came back. You are the progeny of that love match. Um, whatever, whatever. Just like know that if you aren't happy in St. Martin's with this man, that you could have an affair. And then Bettina's like, oh, I'm so comforted by this information mom thanks I'm ready to like get my trousseau in order and leave which Uh she does with her trusted maid Maddie 
Madeline, who was also her nanny and her mother's nanny. And maybe her wet nurse. It's never really clear. She oh, actually... I thought it did say it oh. was her wet nurse. Okay. Yeah. Then I didn't make that up. <laughs> um, and then lo and behold, after... I don't think Joselle was breastfeeding. I don't think so either. I don't, yeah, whatever. Anyway, um, lo and behold, after two and a half uneventful weeks on the sea, they are taken by pirates and we meet a person who is supposed to be heroic named Tristan. The hero. The pirate, the captain, who takes the ship and then takes Bettina and Madeline prisoner and leaves everyone else alive. But he says that he's going to kill everyone unless she uh, consents. Puts out. Puts out. He doesn't say consent. No, he says you have to. He actually just holds asks her to hold still not put up a fight it's because he doesn't want to hit her because he's such a gentleman um so then they have this super unconsensual relationship on the sea for weeks well i think uh joanna Lindsay used the correct term (laughs) repeatedly while describing the sex acts in this book rape yeah every chapter where she's been captured starts with and he raped me that's not an exaggeration listeners he says that he's going to take her to st martin's and she's going to meet up with her count the Comte de Lambert. He's who's going to ransom her. Right. Although he's totally not after this whole scenario, which is just whatever. He's so mad she doesn't like him. <laughs> he's just going to keep raping her until she changes her, her mind. mind. And that's like Tristan takes her to his that's pirate actual, island. Yeah. yeah. Oh and he's like, God. I'm going to make you love me. I said this was St. Martin's. It's actually my secret pirate island. And then there's But this- he doesn't tell her that he's going to take her to his own like no. secret no, island. No, he tells her. So she take- genuinely believes like her nightmare is over. And then he's like, just kidding. It's my house. (laughs) My fortress. So then hijinks ensue. You find out there's a murder plot. You find out there's vengeance plot. La, 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 la. You know where this is going. She escapes again from someone else. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of escaping in this. Uh Uh-huh. So then at the end. Until she gets pregnant. Yeah, she gets pregnant. Surprise, surprise. They've been having a ton of sex acts. Yeah, and then the climax of the book is her giving birth during a duel. So there's that. Yeah. That's the synopsis. What more do you want? And uh, there's a lot of other stuff that happens. We can they... get into the details, but like that's that's the loose sketch. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. So I I read theory about romance before I ever read romance. Wait, wait. Let's set the scene a little bit. This book was published in 1978. Yeah. I feel like it's essentially a tome of its time. What won the Oscar in 1978? I'll look it up. We should have Nick do this since he's here tonight. I'm doing it right now. He should be our little researcher. Annie Hall won Best Picture. Whoa! (laughs) Diane Keaton won Best Actress, and Woody Allen won for Best Director. (laughs) Wow, you just can't make this shit up, readers, listeners. Just can't make that fucking shit up. Can't make it up. That's fucked up. That's really messed up. It's kind of perfect, actually. Uh, oh, hey, you'll like this. Guess what one? <laughs> guess what one for costume design? What? Star Wars. Hey, George Lucas made the very important decision that women don't wear bras in space. It's because he's a feminist. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he was like, I'm looking out for this 17 year old who's fucking my my star who's married hey sweetie there's no gravity in space and there's no gravity in that bod go ahead and take off that brassiere you're so mean that's for sure that's probably exactly what he said can i have anything do you want me to say it in george lucas voice no i don't want it (laughs) i don't think i could do a george lucas voice christ yeah wow wow annie hall annie hall (laughs) snap 
Yeah, so it, it makes is a, a lot of sense. It's a product of its time. Yeah. But like when I read uh, reading the romance, she mm-hmm. talked about like I've brought this up before, but she talked about the fact that like bodice rippers were really popular, and like we use the term bodice rippers mm-hmm. or bodice busters like pretty casually, pretty colloquially, mm-hmm. you know. But no, it's referencing a very specific. It's referencing rape very specifically. And also, there's a thing in this novel where her bodice is so constantly ripped that she spends all day restitching her clothes and then she stops wearing her own clothes and starts wearing his which he finds hilarious. hilarious. What was interesting about those moments when he's like you need something to do because I'm going to keep you locked in my cabin until you agree not to fight me. Um so I'm just going to tear your clothes to pieces and you'll spend all day like fixing it up. It was very like um Rumpelstiltskin-y for me where you know it's like <laughs> spin this straw into gold all night. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But also to keep women busy with women's work is like such a pedantic and shitty thing. But honestly like this main character I don't believe that she had Bettina she had a lot of chutzpah she kept escaping she did honestly I would get lost in this book like hoping that she'd finally escaped Mm -hmm. and that the real hero would show up me too there are some really breathless pieces of great adventure writing yeah Bettina escaping and Mm -hmm. you're terrified every time she gets rescued air quotes but then sometimes it works out then it doesn't work out it's through no fault of her own she's just too beautiful is kind of how everyone else frames it but I kind of got the feeling that Joanna Lindsay was like these people are all bad people all <laughs> men are evil it definitely and yeah gonna blame her for it and it definitely felt that way like Joanna Lindsay is calling rape rape there it's not titillating none of the sex scenes in the first half of the book are titillating at all which is kind of weird yeah for a romance especially that made it hard to like Tristan at all there did was you nothing like him do- at all no my god he's fucking terrible and even like his deep secret dark trauma which was very traumatic yeah um, he watched didn't- his mother get repeatedly raped when he was a child by and another his pirate was murdered and then his and mother tries to murder her initial rapist yeah but he makes the argument that like i wouldn't rape you if you just let me do it <laughs> right because i don't want to beat you i don't want it to be like this thing that happened to my mom hey i'm the good guy here yeah. and he has a scar from that initial encounter <clears throat> with that human being batista batista which is the revenge plot right i actually really liked the revenge plot i thought that was great i my favorite part was uh her trying to escape all the time and yeah, doing great. it successfully. And I just kept hoping every time another dude showed up that he would be the actual hero and that this had been a red herring. Um, but that never happened. That never happened. So I'm going to ask you the hardest question oh, first. Christ. What was the sexiest part of the book? Um, in all honesty, mm-hmm. it's when she has escaped uh-huh. from the stupid pirate island. Uh-huh. Um, and she's come up with this amazing plan and she's been riding Tristan Tristan's horse and she like lulls him into a false sense of security that night yeah and like he's sleeping he's been drinking wine and then she sneaks out gets the horse and then she releases the other horses from the stalls so that there's confusion and then she's like running she gets thrown she gets back up again and then on the beach there's another ship and she flags it down and I'm like oh my god oh my god it's gonna be one of Tristan's friends it's gonna be terrible he's gonna take her right back to the fortress and then it's not it's this merchant who's like oh sweet girl what do you need and Captain Ralston like immediately jumps in is like a father figure to her and is like I'll take you to St. Martin's I'll take you wherever you need to go what's the sexiest part get to it that's it that's not sexy that was sexy for me freedom is sexy in that moment um yeah I I wasn't turned on whenever she got a father figure Well, you are, my such, you are such a Freudy baby. It keeps coming up. Like literally come up. 
Um, I will say, okay, if I'm standing in public and someone says, what's the sexiest part of this book? I'm going to say whenever she would go off to the little creek she found on the pirate island and lay by herself naked. I thought that was the sexiest part. But in my quiet, dark moments, Mm -hmm. when I'm alone, Mm -hmm. I would say I vividly remember it. I'm trying to find it in the book. Mm -hmm. I feel like I should have highlighted it. I highlighted a bunch of stuff. (laughs) Whenever she gets um, taken from St. Martin's Mm -hmm. by Tristan, when he Mm re-kidnaps her and takes her back to his cabin, Mm -hmm. and he's going to rape her, Mm -hmm. but it says something about him burying his face in her neck Mm -hmm. because he missed her. Yeah, that's and smelling up. her. Yeah, he smells but that her a was, lot. I would say that was the I would that was the sexiest part. I also, but I wanted to make the point that like, you know, I get it. I get why Joanna Lindsay was a wildly popular author, and wildly. not just because she had the dopest covers on the planet. God, she has the dopest covers. Okay, so like that moment that you're talking about, I thought was actually really humorous, and like the parts of this book that were redeeming for me, which is to say, few, yeah. were the <laughs> moments that were really, really funny. Like, so he gets her out of bed she's like in the count's house and all they can see from her in the bed is her hair so he's like i've got her and then his best mate or his first mate or whatever jules is like i also have her and then there's like this mistaken identity but we know through you know whatever dramatic irony that it's the mom yeah so then they have the mom and the daughter and like our heroine knows that the mom knows that but they don't know that which is amazing yeah and it's really really funny they're like we'll just take them both and figure it out in the morning and also the book is constantly introducing redheaded Irish yeah. old pirates and you're like sea it's dogs. her dad it's her dad but of course her dad is like Tristan's mentor Ryan Ryan which we don't know his name's Ryan we know him as like Captain Captain Ryan. Ryan no his first name's Ryan and that's the only way that mom refers to him during her discussion of her extramarital love affair yeah but we don't learn his last name which is how he's referred to which is like Captain whatever whatever Irish name O'Brien or something so now that I've been super honest about Mm -hmm. the part that I thought was the sexiest. I was literally not titillated by this book. Once. All of my titillation moments were when she was escaping. Like that thing when she's like dangling off the roof. I mean, those were exciting parts of the book, but... Yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't highlight any parts that I was like, yeah, I'm going to come back later to this one in my private moments drinking wine with candles lit. I also just like Jeez, didn't like... You really court yourself. <laughs> yeah, I deserve it. <laughs> I'm worth it. <laughs> yeah. You know, this book is so weird. My cat doesn't thing. sleep enough. I don't know what that means. I just feel like I go through a, a lot of... No, I feel like if I like did something like I lit candles and like set the mood, but, like out of nowhere, Corduroy would walk up and just be like... Ah! Corduroy is very needy. He is. Very. At the worst times, too. (laughs) It's like he senses that you want to be alone. Yeah, exactly. She's like, too bad. (laughs) Cater to my needs. One time I was just like having a nice morning sleeping in, and I looked at the doorway of my bedroom, and he was like sitting hunched and looking at me over his shoulder like the weirdest creep. He just loves too hard is the thing. Yeah. He just loves too hard. Oh, you know what? Um, what? It's a scene when she hits him. Oh, yeah. yeah. So she gets this. I love that her big plan was like, I don't have to hit him hard. I just have to hit, hit him, him at all. And he'll be so confused. Yeah. And she almost got away with it. Yeah. And then he's like, you don't really mean that. Like that Like that scene was great where she like yeah. screws up her all of her courage, really gives him a black eye. And then is like, all right, I guess we'll have sex now. And then she, I love the thing where she's like, you can awaken my body, but you can't awaken my soul. And I'm like, 
yeah, Bettina, you're right. You're he doesn't right. deserve you. Yeah. And just because he knows how to go down on you doesn't mean that this isn't great because it's not. I'm pretty sure he did not go down on her. No, he definitely goes down on her once. And he's definitely always nibbling on her God. nipples. And DJ always. Khaled has never done it. Oh, God. And The Rock has. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wait, and The Rock Johnson. I, like, I think there's like two types of assholes in this world. Like the type of asshole who's like, I don't do that. And the type of asshole who takes that opportunity to be like, I do. <laughs> First of all, I'm going to fight you to the death that Dwayne The Rock Johnson's not an asshole. No, he's not. But yeah. you know what I Playing mean? My flag like, there. People who like Yeah, see there's it as like, like an- I'm a Boy Scout. I'm so great. I'm like, yeah, good job. Do you want a cookie? <laughs> yeah, so I loved that scene where she hits him and then he's like that sexy slash I'm not going to hurt you anymore. And then she's like, oh, I guess my clothes are falling off. Let's do it. But yeah. he's like, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. She never initiates. I don't like no. that. No, she never initiates. You know, I was reading it and I was thinking, like, there were parts when I was like, Joanna Lindsay isn't even into this. Yeah, totally. Like, there have been, like, problematic sex scenes. Like, when we read Shanna by mm-hmm. Kathleen Woody Weiss, but mm-hmm. you could tell Kathleen was here for it. She, she was, was in the moment. She was writing a book for herself, mm-hmm. you know? And I did not get that vibe with Joanna Lindsay. And so I would, like, wonder, like, who is this for? Like, who are you writing this for? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I think ideas about BDSM as mm-hmm. a fantasy mm-hmm. get really watered down in the public sphere because people are saying things like people are making really important points about the importance of consent and Mm -hmm. clarity and trust Mm -hmm. in those relationships Mm -hmm. but like fiction these Mm -hmm. romance novels are works of fantasy Mm -hmm. and if your fantasy is being taken Mm-hmm. Or being tied up, which happens in this book, but not as much. Or as being you think. spanked, which happens a lot in this book, or being gagged, which happens in this book, She's or being pulled lot. around on ropes, which happens in this book, or having your clothes torn off, which All happens in this time. book. If public shaming, which happens in this book, if that's your thing, then you probably love this book. You know what I mean? Like if you're really into BDSM, this is probably what you like. Instead of being Except, like, I'm sexy and I'm naughty and I'm adventurous and I want to, you know, like some people like they really want to feel that anxiety sure but he's a bad dom because he never gets initial consent like but the, it's, the, it's the not constraints that, it's not are never he's, set exactly he's a bad dom because he's not real he's a fantasy character i'm not like he's even an idea. As a fantasy remember like, when we were like talking about how the only reason the fantasy works in real life is because there's trust in real life stuff but this is a book it doesn't need that in real life stuff for people to like it <sighs> I think it might. This is like not one of her most popular books. I'm not going to make assumptions. I'm not trying to speak for anyone. I'm just saying in theory, I can see how this might work for some people. It just so happens that none of that interests me. I feel public shame enough in my everyday life. Preach. That I don't need to like... Maybe if I got off on it, it would, I would be so thrilled to be on public transit all the time. But like, if that's a fantasy for you, then it, it's like we were talking about with priests. Like you this can't. This is again different than priests. Hold though, on, right? let me finish my sure. thought. Like, finish your thought. I think it's just. I think a book is pure fantasy, and I think the fantasy can exist without things like agreements and safe words. I think the pure fantasy, when you are reading a book, that is enough of a safe word in itself that you can enjoy it because you know it's not real, it's not really happening, but you can have this sensation of excitement from it. And I don't know if, um, I think for sure that feeling of trust and safety is important to your ability to get off, 
if you're actually into like BDSM. But I think the fantasy when you're reading it in a book is not probably not required. I think I'd agree with your point if the sex scenes were sexy. Like if they weren't just weird, intense fade to blacks. Like their first sex scene is really weird and painful. And, and it then, doesn't fade to black. He like finishes yeah, inside like, her and then rolls off and falls asleep. Right. But like there's no sensual touching. There's no, no. Like, even in like the terms of being gagged or I like think, those details are kind of glossed. I think it doesn't feel sensual. And None I think that's it. part of the fantasy is that it doesn't Ooh. feel sensual in the way that we understand sensuality mm. because that's not our particular tipple. Okay. Do you see I, what I'm saying? I'm saying I also don't find them sexy. And so I'm like, who is she writing this for? And I was like, well, maybe that's part of it. Maybe the anxiety is part of it. And I just don't understand. That's not something I relate to immediately. But it's something I can identify. But it's also like, I don't know. Like the fact that the sex scenes are so dry clinical even they just don't feel sexy and then you meet up with her friends like I would agree with you if we only had her friends conversations like Maddie being like it's not so bad like just give in and her mom being like well he's not beating you all the time and he lets you eat so how bad could he be no I think you're I think you're getting hung up on the idea that like in order to enjoy this particular type of sex, someone has to tell you it's okay, even if it's not yourself. And I'm saying the entire point of the fantasy is that it's not okay and that it's utterly anxious. And I think that these are pretty graphic sex scenes. Like we both talked about the part where he like puts his face in her neck and smells her. That's vividly described. His like hands going up her legs and but slapping her ass is vividly described. I mean, the, the smelling thing is like of tender pressing down on her is Hang described on, let me find something. well if you're looking for an absence of something you're gonna have a hard time finding it but i can find some really good examples i'm just looking for a specific sexy okay. just like any <laughs> God, i think this so is bad. i think this has to be somebody i think somebody has to really like this yeah. i think somebody has to get off on it and i'm just trying to you know, I'm trying to give them a shout out. I'm trying to give them a holler. I'm like, this is good for you. If you found this and you enjoy it and it's not your real life, that's fine. Because we always say on this show, rape fantasies are super normal they and are. they're super healthy and they're yep. super okay. For sure. And if a book, we obviously put like a lot of stock into these texts. We take them seriously mm-hmm. and they are indicators of larger trends. But I'm saying like, this should be okay. This book should be okay because somebody enjoys it and it's pure fantasy and it's bundled up in its little pages. It's between two covers. It's not leeching into someone's life. They can read that, they can enjoy it, and they can move on. Sure, and it'll only take you like four and a half hours to read this. Yeah. I don't know. The fact that she hates him so much and like constantly says it and like... Yeah, it's a rape fantasy. Mm. Do you think women with rape fantasies are thinking like... Dwayne the Rock Johnson is such a generous lover. <laughs> I, mean, I they wish are now. Would, I wish he would rape me. No, that's not how it works. I just like I like we can't be like we can't be all like fantasy positive and sex positive and then be like this book is bad because what is this book? This book is fantasy. These books are fantasy. They're not real. I'm sure people have had this experience, but that's not what she's writing for. It's that he tricks her all the time. Yeah, people get their jollies off on that. 
I just feel like this is like a particularly like especially in the conversation around BDSM like this is a particularly like what I think um, grossly ignorant book and like one that doesn't deal well with the fantasies of BDSM and like I think part of the idea of her constantly escaping and then other men coming who attempt to rape her and like those Mm -hmm. rapes are terrifying like and they are meant to be terrifying in a way that then contrasts what Tristan is doing to like soften whatever it is that he's doing so then in that way there's like I think there's an internal struggle about trying to redeem Tristan's behavior in a way that is complicated more complicated than I think what you're saying is but I think what we're doing in this conversation is centering a singular kind of pleasure a singular Mm -hmm. kind of sexual pleasure and that's probably not the case for everybody for sure sensuality and compassion and tenderness Mm -hmm. isn't the most interesting thing about sex for some people right and I think Joanna Lindsay is just recentering that different idea of sex Okay. And so, but then why doesn't go, she? We why, could go on and on about how sure. like violent and terrifying the sex scenes are in this book because they were violent and terrifying for us, but I don't think she's writing them for us. I don't, I don't think, think she she's is writing either, those but like, sex scenes for us. I think she's writing those sex scenes for people who do enjoy that idea. Okay. But like, why is the Kant different then? You know, why is the Kant, Count? Yeah. Comte de Lambert. Oh, Comte de. Yeah. Comte de Lambert. Like, he wants to have sex with her, is violent with her, and she like puts up a resistance. And and is like I'm not a woman of easy virtue and then there's the guy and who's he like, says okay and he's not the hero of the novel for sure but then there's the other guy who's like I looked at you and was whipped within an inch of my life and now I'm gonna have sex with you until I kill you uh-huh. and she has to escape from him so like there's gradations here yeah I don't think that undermines the idea that like I just, Tristan is the ideal and that sex with Tristan is the ideal in this book right but I think he's ideal for like other more complicated reasons than Look, I think like people who get off on the idea of being hurt and being humiliated, mm-hmm. I think that is a condition of societal problems. Mm-hmm. But part of the beauty of a romance novel is that those societal problems aren't the point. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I think this is a really being able to think my way out of the sex scenes. Oh, God. Allows me to enjoy this as a pretty fun adventure novel. Yeah, it was great. I love the pirate stuff. I also very strangely loved the soapbox moment of Tristan when he's telling her why he hates the Spanish so much, um, which isn't just his mom, but also has to do specifically with the indigenous people living on his island. And the slave trade. And the slave trade. Let me, he has an amazing monologue about it. But then there's this whole thing where like Maddie, her nanny is considered like the moral compass of this I'm not sure that's true. Do you think Joanna Lindsay is like Maddie's a bitch? Yeah, I think mom is consciousness of this book because she's always like, look at Tristan, he's so sad when you leave and like he almost let you out of like your prison for three weeks but both of those are so depressing maddie does the same stuff but maddie also like insists that tristan brings back a priest so that all the pirates who live on the island who have married native women can get married in the eyes of god yeah so that all their babies don't go to hell That's yeah very specific yeah maddie's terrible and i also think johanna Lindsay thinks she's terrible i don't know yeah Otherwise, like, why have two women of the same age on the same island telling her basically the same thing but in two different ways? But here's the thing. Like, there are people who enjoy that terribleness. Of Maddie? Not of Maddie, but, like, you know, terribleness, like, the idea of it, the the repressiveness, the horror of it is also interesting and also titillating. And I think it's actually nice for them that they have a pirate's love that they can read and it's safe yeah they're not actually getting hurt yeah or hurting others yeah it's also not porn so no one has to film it okay 
and get physically hurt or exhausted. Right. It's just assholes like us who read a book with sex scenes in it that we're not interested in who are bothered. And once again, it's not for us. I don't know. And so it's like, okay, so this is on page 236. And who is Bettina speaking to? She's talking to her mom. And she says... You're interpreting his actions the way you want to believe, Bettina said. You would like to believe Tristan is an honorable man and that he cares for me. Well, he is not honorable and he does not care for me. He wants me only to satisfy his lust and no more. All true. But if he's the hero of this and if we have a happy ending, he has to care about her. But at this point in the book, he doesn't. He doesn't really care about her until he knocks her up. I mean, mom. And then he's mad at her because she lets him believe that the Compte knocked her up. Which I think is great. Super smart on her part. As genius and very very cruel and a real turnaround. I really loved that. I loved her twisting that knife. Yeah, but he doesn't care about her until he like, until her dad. And also like her father is like very cool. Her real father is like very cool with Tristan raping her every night until he discovers it's his daughter. Yes. And then he's like, I'll kick you out. You're a big (laughs) jerk. And I was like, God, that was so annoying. Yeah. You're like 16 years too late for that. Also gross. And also only 16 years too late. Yeah. But once again, I don't want to like yuck on the sex scenes a bunch because no, they're I not don't... for me. I'm not the right person to judge them. If you're into that kind of thing, are these good? I mean, honestly, Let us know. I'm going to say, are these good? But I was, I was turned on by one of them and this isn't my cup of tea. But only one. I know, but like, that's pretty good. There are a lot of sex scenes. They're on the, they're on the boat a lot and they have sex every night. But like, if yeah, I mean, there's a lot, but like if I wrote a book about, you know, lights off missionary and there were like, there were like 12 instances of it and I got most people off on one, that would be pretty good. Them's good odds, right? That's good rates. That's, you know, if you're shooting for a really small target, one bullseye is enough. <laughs> Sure. Joanna Lindsay transcended the context of her novel in that moment. That's pretty brilliant. And also, like, I got lost in the book. Yeah, but the parts that you get lost in are when she's escaping. I think the book is is not politically correct. Sure. I think no one's gonna make that. And I'm not the type of person who glorifies that. I think being politically correct is a good thing. Yeah. But Okay. I'm also going to say I can't fault her for her writing. I can't fault her for her structure. No, I can't fault her tight. for her characters as like bombastic and ridiculous and two-dimensional as they were. They were mm-hmm. all hilarious. Yeah. It was fun to read at times. At like times. whenever her like rival pirates comes mm-hmm. to the house. Yeah, that was great. I love that. To make her jealous. Mm-hmm. That was wild. Yeah, and so there's this part on page 91 when she's like, why do you hate the Spanish so much? And he says... Uh, his voice suddenly cold. By the death of men, women, and children, the Spanish enslaved the natives and conquered the Caribbean islands, and they starved and beat them to death because they didn't work fast enough. And when the native Indians were exterminated, the Spanish brought in black slaves and treated them no better. I have no love for Spain, and I enjoy taking her gold and giving it to England. You may be surprised to learn that there are French buccaneers who do the same thing and give the gold to France. You lie. And then All you he- do is lie. If you pray only on the Spanish, why did you attack the windsaw? her ship and then he says I intended to board her and speak with you or bargain with the captain to learn where you were being taken the wind song fired first classic woke bro bullshit (laughs) and I have never run from a fight Bettina however once the battle was on I gave up the order to avoid killing I boarded the ship took you and left this is very much the 1978 version of I've read all of James Baldwin and I don't know how consent can be sexy 
yeah, totally. That's exactly that, what that's I exactly thought. That's exactly what it yeah. is. He's like, I'm like, you don't care about slaves and you don't care about the indigenous <laughs> people and you don't care about Spain's sins. Don't fucking tell me that shit, Tristan. Guys. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about the next book and hear the weird dad thing that you were turned on by this book. (laughs) Sorry, the sexiest part was when the captain was like, I'm going to give you your freedom. Do you know what I think is sexy? Ladies' freedom. (laughs) I'm above all of this. Yeah, when every chapter for a third of the book starts with, and she was raped. That's how they all end. And then he, like, he like, not how they and all also, end. like, he, like, or he, like, gets super drunk and wanders off afterwards. And you kind of get the feeling that you're supposed to be like, oh, he feels bad. Like, here's the thing I am going to stand by my argument that there sure. are people who get off on this particular kind of sex scene. Okay. But it is really hard to make a likable hero out of that particular fetish. For sure. Uh, Can we talk about the intense and super terrifying birth scene (laughs) as just like the way to end this episode? (laughs) We have to talk about what is overall, besides the stuff we've talked about already, what is the weirdest part of this book for you? That amazing dual birth. Dual, not in like there are many (laughs) people giving birth, but the dual, like there are two men (laughs) fighting to the death. And then also in the next room is a woman giving birth. Trying not to scream so she doesn't distract Tristan. She's also tied to a bookcase. Well, she her contractions are two yeah, minutes apart. They couldn't make it any worse, and then they did. I loved it. I loved that part. There's a ticking time bomb, and it's her uterus. That's super true. Mm-hmm. That was my weirdest slash best part. Oh, weird. There's so much weird shit in this book. Man, this book is like very into wedding dresses. That's true. It talks a lot about wedding dresses. Constantly getting Always. sewn. Mm-hmm. Constantly bringing up her old wedding dress. The fact that Tristan threw it into the sea. But then he didn't. Oh, he put it in a trunk. He shaved it for her. He was just sad that she was going to marry somebody else. That part where he's like, you can't go into this room. I'm like, there's a head. There's a head. There's, <laughs> There's definitely, a head it's like a Bluebeard scenario. She's going to unlock it. It's just going to be like Bluebeard or Pandora. What is in this room? And then it turns out to be her trousseau. And I was like, wah, wah. Basically, no, the weirdest part for me was <laughs> the very beginning, her conversation with her mom about how her dad's not her real dad. That was weird. Because it's very like, oh, mommy, I'm so taught daddy doesn't like me. And she's like, doesn't really matter if he doesn't like you. He's not your real dad. <laughs> like it's very like that is how they talk to each other yeah totally and then her mom's like i boned this irish sailor for months for months and then got pregnant and, and she's then like, he left mom i'm so glad you told me that you were happy and her mom's like i mean i told you the best part yeah it's your dad <laughs> like her mom just tells her about like amazing sex she had and then she's like cherry on top that's your pops <laughs> unnamed irish person who probably died in a hurricane yeah <laughs> unnamed Irish person (laughs) on the bright side I got my Irish character romantic hero you sure did he's a bad father yep but according to Giselle (laughs) okay in the sack super great in the sack here's we don't know if he's super great because Giselle has a pretty low bar that's true we are told that she got married when she was 14 Mm -hmm. to an abusive and angry man and then met an Irish pirate hey hey guys if this book got you wet (laughs) That's cool. Like, that's totally fine. It's what I want to say. Like, good for you. I'm glad you found it. What? Nothing. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs)
We're all here together. We did it. We did it. <laughs> we, did it. we recorded the Joanna Lindsay episode. Okay, let's do our stuff because I Pirates really- Love. Pirates Love by Joanna Lindsay. Womance or no man's. <laughs> it's a no man's. Don't make me say it. I just spent all this time defending the book. No kidding. You're going to get off your soapbox right now and you're going to say no, ma'am. There's got to be better, like, rape fantasies than this. Yeah. Uh, Hardcore nomance. (laughs) Hardcore nomance. This is soft nomance. (laughs) Softcore nomance for me. I'm sure somebody likes it. It's probably my cat, Corduroy. Hard penetrating nomance on Isabeau's part. This is a fisting nomance. Same for me, but like a little neck nuzzle. <laughs> Add it in. I've also realized how low my threshold is for tenderness. Like, just act like you like how I smell. <laughs> I'm obviously in a pretty fragile place with my own body odor right now. <laughs> Morgan, I think you smell delicious. Thank like the you. open sea and rocks. I'm pretty sure it's just salt. <laughs> Shut up, shut up, shut up. Let's do our closer. <clears throat> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Womance. Uh, you can follow us. We're on Twitter. And guess what? I fixed our, our Twitter handle. So we're now at Womance Pod. Fabulous. And we're still at Womance on Instagram. We've got a Facebook group we should do something with. We're at womance.tumblr.com, which we should do more with. But Womance mail at Gmail. And yeah. most importantly, on next week's episode, we're going to be talking about a much more titillating book by Courtney Milan, which our Twitter followers, so follow us on Twitter, yes! suggested for us when we did a poll. It's going to be The Suffragette Scandal by uh, Courtney Milan. And also, just because it's a nomance for us doesn't mean it's not a womance for you. And we'd love to hear what you thought. And also send us your favorite Joanna Lindsay Please. original covers oh that you've God. seen in the wild. Those because covers are Googling gorge. them are amazing. Okay, yeah. do that for us, please. That's okay. what we want. And with that, loosen your stays, but never your principles. Mwah! Hey folks, it's Morgan. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Womance. Our logo is by Mary Reichman and our original music and editing is by Nick Gravelin. They're the best. Feeling woeful about waiting a whole week for more Womance? Well, chin up, buttercup. You can creep or connect with us anytime on Twitter. We're at woe underscore mance or Instagram, womance, all one word. You can also find us on Tumblr at womance.tumblr.com. If you prefer to be more direct... Why not send us an email? We're womancemail at gmail.com. Can't wait to hear from you. And don't forget to tune in next week.